Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right, we are finally a week out of Super Bowl 58. And let's just hope that Power doesn't go out on me. It's already been out a couple times today. What's it like with you, Rod? How's the power been in in your home? It has been fine. The internet, on the other hand, has Uh-oh. been kind of spotty. <laughs> but um, well, the Wi-Fi. But um, I've been. It's been my dad. He's been working all day, and he said, you know, being wired, he hasn't had any problems all day. But um, there you go. The um. The Wi-Fi is like the direct TV and stuff has been <laughs> in and out all day. Well, it is Sunday evening. Exactly. Not exactly a week until the game. The, the game's We're probably the just after after halftime. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> well, but, you know, the, the thing we what we wanted to do is we didn't want to go dark for the week because the Super Bowl is a two week layoff. Uh, but, and so it's like, okay, do you want to do a preview? No, we want to do the preview, you know, the next. night before next week. And so instead what we're going to do, we're going to kind of do a little bit of a look back. Like I was looking back at the schedule and looking that was back really at, fun. That was yeah. a really fun exercise that you sent me on today. And like there's games early in the season. I was like, wow, they really killed some of these teams. Um, then in the, especially that Dallas game, we just like look at that score and it's like so lopsided. And there were two games, there were only two games where they kind of got it handed to them, which was Baltimore and Cincinnati. AFC I think, North. I know. I think some of those other games we kind of were just so frustrated in the loss, but they were a lot closer than I remember. Uh, the other two that they lost. So we're just kind of going to look back. We're going to talk about Super Bowl week, what to expect. We'll even talk about our favorite Super Bowl games. And we know, little, and you guys, you guys know this is why it's so cool because Garrett went games when he sent me his script um, outline. I went storylines. So yeah. I've got 2003 the the storylines that really grabbed me. So you're going to go. get a potpourri <laughs> on today's show. Yeah, let's do it. So I guess the first thing that uh, I want to kind of get through and, and just kind of get your feeling is, uh, again, we've done this as recently as a few years ago. And then before that, uh, gosh, it's been like 12 years now. I just remember Beyonce was singing at halftime. Um, where, where are you with your feelings as far as the game is concerned, even though, again, we're a week out, the athletic has had a lot of stuff that we've been able to read. I know David Lombardi today wrote a piece that said this year's 49er team actually resembles the chiefs team from 2019. And then the chiefs team actually resembles 
the 49ers team from from 2019 like they're kind of in a reverse position just but you know he's a stats guy so he's just looking at stats he didn't say you know pat mahomes is turning into jimmy g or anything because if that was happening i would be really confident <laughs> uh, but you know you've been through this before we've been through this as 49ers fans over the years you get this week of preparation and hype where where are your thoughts right now Man, I where I'm at is after rewatching both those playoff games, I am more convinced than ever that our defense, especially, just isn't playing well. And I I really believe if we come with the same level of and I'm not I'm not gonna talk about effort guy. I can't judge those guys that that has that has come up recently even from some of the coaches i think that i saw i you know i'm not gonna question a guy's effort because i don't know how to measure that but what i can look at is their level of performance and they just have not performed again and the 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 words i continue to use is to the standard that they have set Mm -hmm. they when they are playing at their best they have not played that way across the board for at least eight weeks. It just, it, it they have done, they, and, they, and we have had some good stretches of football in that time, but like across the board, like Fred Warner is, in my opinion, the defensive player of the year. Nick Bosa is one of the best defensive ends in football, but he has not played to the, defensive player of the year standard that he set last year. Now, I don't know if that's fair or not. Maybe he never plays at that level again. I don't know. But that is the standard, you know, like Mike Tomlin, the standard is the standard. That's the standard I hold Nick Bosa to, and Mm -hmm. he has not been there. So that's where I'm at, is that if, if we play to our standard, I don't think there's anybody in the league this year that beats us. Patrick Mahomes included. But if we come out, if we roll out there like we did in the first half versus Green Bay and Detroit, this shit could be a long day. I mean, I, I just, you know, as because Green Bay, ha- I mean, um, Kansas City has not been great all year, but they have gotten better as the season has gone on. And this style which is different than they have played in the past. They've gotten really good at playing close. Patrick Mahomes is, you know, you know, there's there's all this talk about game changer, game manager. This season, Patrick Mahomes has played more like a game manager with spurts of making plays because he's just been in so many situations where how the hell do you trust <laughs> these guys? I know I can make the play. I know I can make the throw, but you're telling me <laughs> and Bomani Jones keeps calling my man. I don't know if anybody remembers that movie. Keeps calling MVS Featherstone um, from I, what was that the um, that one that movie with Goldie Hawn and um, Wesley Snipes where um, the man just kept dropping the ball. and oh, was the, the football movie? Uh, yeah. Wildcats. Wildcats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, he, they they have just been, and Kadarius Tony. I mean, get out of here. Just They've just been awful. But if they found something in Rasheed Rice, um, Travis Kelsey seems to be able to play an hour and a half of good football every week. Um, and so 
How does I, dude have 11 catches for like over 100 yards when he's the only he's the only receiver that you care about? Even. Well, I don't know if we want to get into this next week, but one thing I can tell you is for some reason, the um, Baltimore Ravens, I rewatched that game. The Baltimore Ravens decided that, you know, jam him at the, at the line of scrimmage. Nah, we don't need to do that. We just give him free releases. And Patrick, that little route where he runs that out to the sideline, him and Matt Patrick Mahomes will kill you with that. It's like Patrick doesn't even have to look over there. He just, if he make, he make, runs that route and he just throws it out there like the, um, Harlem Globetrotters, and he comes up with it. And that was all 11 of those catches yeah. was this, were the same route. I think we should probably try to do something to stop that route. If, we, if, if nothing else, let's not, let's not get beat on that route. And you know the thing that is similar with the Ravens and the 49ers is that crew in the middle, and they were able to beat the Ravens in the middle. I think Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw – uh, probably feel a, a lot of pressure to perform in this game. And they probably have a lot of pride in their ability to, you know, make plays in that scenario, knowing that the target is going to be right on them uh, in the middle of the field. So that is, that is definitely like if I was to circle a matchup, it's like Kelsey and whoever is covering him. Cause I'm sure there will even be like, you know, DBs on him as well, depending on where they put him. But that, like, I don't know, man, like covering him and tackling Pacheco. Like, if you can do your best, your best job at those two things and force Mahomes to find other ways to win, like, I think that would be a tremendous win for the defense. Here's your SAT word for the week flummoxed. That is what Lamar Jackson looked like. Steve Spagnola. We're blitzing. No, we're not blitzing. Mm-hmm. We're faking the blitz. We're coming. No, we're dropping in the cover. We're dropping eight. And it was like they just were never able to figure out what the hell the Chiefs defense was doing. And that's another key for me is, is Brock able to – is Kyle able to put Brock in a position where he, he trusts what he sees and he just lets it rip? And that they guess right, because what can also happen is if you think it's a blitz and it's not a blitz and you let it rip and you throw it back there into eight DBs, it can be, you know, a nightmare scenario. So does he give him the proper plays and then can Brock recognize them and make the plays? That's going to be a big deal. And it it also tells me, getting yards on first down, man, that is going to be so important. Cause if you're second and five and then third and two or third and one, the defense has less options to be, uh, you know, to, to basically do the things that they want. But if you're stuck in second and 10, third and 10, then they can do whatever the hell they want. And again, another thing that I don't know enough about defense schematics of the defense and the play calling, but clearly Baltimore was seeing something that made them think that, hey, let's throw it 40 times. When I thought going into that game, it was the exact opposite. KC played ball control. 
kept Lamar on the sideline when I thought that that was going to be just the opposite, that yeah. Baltimore was going to run the ball. All the advanced stats, excuse me, said that they should be able to run the ball down Kansas City's throat. And um, they chose not to for some reason. So I think it's very important. And it just, you know, that's just our offense. It's important that we, and, and, and Kyle, to his credit, has done that all year, even when the running game is not being super effective. You just got to feed Christian. And number one, he's going to make something happen eventually. It's just, yeah. it's just, um, just feed him. And then two, I just think that it sets up Brock for the play action and um, it just makes it easier for him while he's been effective, especially in these past two comebacks where, you know, he gets into the, the shotgun and he just slings it. He just seems to be, he gets the ball. It it seems to help him with the pressure to be able to lean on the um, play action, yeah. be under center and, get back there and just make his decision. So I think both of those things are going to be important for us too. So yeah, it's going there, to be, it's, it's going to be really interesting. There is a thing though, that we've seen all year long, which is you think the Niners are going to run it down the other team's throat. And if this was the 2019 team, that's probably what they would do, but it's almost like Shanahan sees something and he's just like, it's open. It's there. We have to take advantage of it. And he trusts Brock. And he trusts his quarterback to make throws. So he is a, you know, offensively in today's football, the, the passes, if you're an efficient passing team and you can complete 70% of your passes, that is the more efficient way to get up and down the field. So I understand that as well, you know, seven and eight and nine and 15 yards in in a play or two is better than seven or eight in in two plays i get that but like what you're saying is having that the the ability to do both keeps the defense on their heels a little bit more and could really help in the scenario that you just brought up which is you know the defensive coordinator is kind of a step ahead of the offense and then it makes the offense sort of defensive and uncomfortable and, you know, for, poor Lamar is going to have to wear that the entire offseason because everybody who watched that game saw the confusion. And, you know, I don't know from a coaching standpoint, you know, who is to blame is I, I don't know exactly how they call plays or, or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it, we know how our team calls plays and everything goes through Kyle. Mm -hmm. So. You know, and if Brock Purdy was to see stuff to have to audible out, you know, that is also something that that Kyle is going to be very specific about. Uh, so that that is a difference. Uh, that might be a difference, depending on. I, again, I don't know exactly how Baltimore does that, but and it's, that, it's interesting to me that you talk about Lamar and what he has to answer for and deal with. I don't know. We you sent me down the rabbit hole thinking about Super Bowls. And again, I, it was interesting because you laid it out perfectly, I believe it was last week, about the fan base and who's who and how long they've been here. People just don't know. They don't even understand the significance of the point of the, the memory I brought up last year of mm -hmm. 
Gary Plummer taking the monkey off Steve mm-hmm. Young's back. Steve Young, to the, the analogy between the comparison between him and Lamar is apt. Steve Young was one of the best regular season quarterbacks in the league for five years. But due to one, replacing Joe Montana, who was <laughs> four for four in Super Bowls, and two, running up against buzzsaws like the Green Bay Packers with Reggie White and Brett Favre and then those Cowboy teams, he couldn't win in the playoffs. So now that was that was the monkey, folks. That was mm-hmm. the monkey on his back was that he couldn't win the big one. Well, in 94, he finally did, and Gary Plummer took the proverbial monkey off his back. So the 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 monkey is clearly on Lamar's back. Yeah. So I'm not ready. And then someone else brought up earlier, I mean last about Peyton. Peyton had a hell of a time getting over the top. He was two different quarterbacks. He you, was, me- you remember the quote, the the Jim Moore quote, the playoffs quote? Mm-hmm. That was a Peyton Manning team. I think that was after a loss against the 49ers, mm-hmm. if I'm not Yep, mistaken. It absolutely was. It absolutely <laughs> was. So just to think about all the records, and, you know, and then, you know, Peyton there in Denver, you know, it it all coalesced and he was a made man at that point. But there were times in his career, late into his career, where they were they were questioning, you know, the comparison. He was losing yeah. the comparison between and, and ultimately everybody loses against Brady. Yeah, you know that that comparison. But he was putting up five thousand yard seasons, fifty touchdown seasons. But then it was like he was a different dude. Yeah, in the playoffs. So again, that's a the comparison to Lamar is apt there. So and that those are questions he's going to have to answer. So I just for a lot of reasons am not in the camp that he hasn't won so he'll never win i don't know that's the case but he does need at this point regular seasons it's that we're not going to be impressed by regular seasons anymore what is he going to do that's the the next step for him it's going to win the mvp this year yeah next so he'll have to do and um you know fun fact let's look at how many dudes have two mvps um and two First team all pros, and you know, I mean, I know it's only this, is, this isn't this isn't the greatest comparison because football is so different mm-hmm. uh, back in the late '80s and, and today. But people, I think, if people think of who John Elway is today, they would think, oh, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks mm-hmm. of all time. He had the same problem. He went yeah. through so many Super Bowls and lost mm-hmm. until he was a little bit older. The team was better. Terrell Davis was his uh his right hand man and then they just demolish teams and and so then he wins and he was a different player at that point because Mm -hmm. if i don't know again we've got a lot of younger lists john elway is i I don't think there's any question and i ain't really done the research but i would I, i feel comfortable saying john elway is one of the top 10 quarterbacks from a talent standpoint Mm -hmm. to ever play the game that dude was coming out of stanford i mean he was everything you could want in a quarterback he was it he was big he was fast he you know they it's legendary about the the crosses 
that he would put in guys' chests with the football. I mean, he just threw it. He, you know, he was a pitcher who got drafted by the Yankees. So he, you know, when you talk about a fastball, he was like Josh Allen <laughs> or Josh Allen. Um, but yeah, so yeah, but like you say, winning the big one for him was it was a a um he had it was a it was a hump that he had to get over. I just went through the whole John Elway thing with somebody the other day. Mm-hmm. And um I, I think people our age kind of remember what happened, but the Baltimore Colts actually mm-hmm. had the top pick that year. And Elway said and his pops both said that, you know, don't draft me because I'm not coming. And so they had to trade him to uh, Denver. I don't even remember what Denver got Mm -hmm. out of that trade, but it wasn't enough because he became one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, But, you know, he's from the, he went to school at Stanford. Mm -hmm. His pops was at San Jose State. Uh, And as a sort of a leverage move uh, for the Colts to not draft him, he was like, hey, man, I'll go play some baseball. Mm-hmm. I think the Yankees had drafted him as a late pick, so he went to the, to spring training or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, soon thereafter, he he had been traded and and signed. He didn't miss any of the the season. This was all happening in the off season. So I just love that. Ah, oh, the good old days. Yeah, because because <laughs> Eli had a similar mm-hmm. bluff and call the and you know the Chargers they you know the chargers fell for it and ended up trading his rights to the um chargers i mean to the yeah to the science science and you know actually the chargers ended up getting you know philip rivers out of the deal which i mean if that if that ends up being a consolation prize i don't know if philip rivers ends up being a hall of famer because he's got the stats but he never really did anything in a postseason but he was definitely to this point he's the greatest quarterback i mean Okay, maybe not because that's Dan Fouts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> but he is one of the best players in in in, in the modern era of the San Diego Chargers. Mm-hmm. He is the guy. I mean, you know, post you know seventies, Philip Rivers was an institution in San Diego for for you know a couple of you know for decades, for a decade at least. They also had Drew Brees. Hanging out, which there. was really, which was really <laughs> wild. Um, how he was, you know, written off as done, and then went on to be, and that's a, that's something that it gets forgetting. It's like he was sorry in San Diego. He was, he was a, he was a pretty good player. But yeah, didn't didn't he also go through Miami at one point before well, finding his way to the Saints? He failed the physical in Miami. Ah, and that's what it that's was. That's how he ended up in New Orleans because Saban. You know, talk about the what ifs. Saban was really high on signing him down there in Miami with him, but he failed the physical and they didn't. And so he ended up signing the free agent deal in the Saints. Saban bounced, though. He didn't even finish, he didn't even do the season, right? He was like, you know, he got the, he got, he got the call. Um, he got the call from Alabama and well, the rest is history, <laughs> but yeah, you know, but it's like, what ifs it's like sliding doors. Yeah. If Drew Brees goes there. Does he go end up taking that? Um, that probably still takes the Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's interesting though. 
I want to shout out my uh, brother, Miguel Rubio, who said, you know, he's not really a football fan, but he started to listen to us uh, after joining his company, Fantasy Football League, and he learned a lot. Uh, thanks to Miguel. Miguel's a great supporter of a lot of the stuff that I do, so I wanted to shout him out. Nice if to meet you, you Miguel. If you, are in, if you are in the Bay Area, he runs a pizza parlor in San Jose called A Slice of New York. It is excellent. I know they have another store that's actually closer to me in, in Sunnyvale. But, uh, yeah, if you're out in the Bay and you want some pizza, look up A Slice of New York. They have a, they have a very interesting way that they handle those, uh, those businesses. So I like, I, like, uh, I like shouting them out. I'm going to tweak you a little bit, GG. I'll stop by there and grab a slice after the parade. Hey. <laughs> yeah, you, you posted on the Discord. And look, I've been thinking about this too, but I wasn't going to actually put it out in the universe because I'm a little superstitious. And you said, if the Niners win, do they have the parade in Santa Clara or do they have the parade in San Francisco? I've been to Giants and Warriors parades in San Francisco. That is the place to do them. They had it is the city is sort of built for stuff like that. They could shut off specific roads and and and, and that. So I would say have it in the city, but I'm also going to say I don't have an answer because I don't want to jinx my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I was on market today and that's what prompted the question and you know how it just kind of dead ends in the, you know, it just, like you say, it's parts a perfect setup for like a picturesque view at the end of the, you know, where you, they set up. And like you say, they, they are experts at it between yeah. the warriors and 49ers a long time ago and the giants here more recently, I guess the doves are actually more recently than the giants technically, but yeah. Um, but I would be pissed if I was <laughs> Sandy Santa Clara County if if that were the case. But Why um, would they even do it? They can't even I, exactly. They can't That's, even get people to be able to park near the stadium because it's so congested. And you know, I I live uh, I'm like a ten less than ten minute drive away from the park, but I take the VTA because I'm like I'm not gonna get stuck in a, in traffic for an hour just to drive ten minutes. You're you're one hundred percent right. I could not, I couldn't even visualize what that it would look like down there. I, yeah. It just it doesn't it you know like that area right around the stadium is I I guess you could do some kind of horseshoe configuration that starts out past the training facility on Marie de Bartolo and then like loop it around and like end up to in my mind. From, from a visual standpoint, like somewhere down there, ending it somewhere down there around Great America, just kind of visually looks good. But logistically, I have no idea how you would make that work. Um, yeah, I don't know how you would have people like like because like when when the Swifties were like lined up three miles long, you know, <laughs> to buy merch down, it was a cluster <laughs> trying, you know, trying to, for the police to kind of make that, you know, navigate. So, you know, people couldn't just hang out. You, they were not letting you just hang out. You could go get in line. And then once you got your shit, you had to go. You, they were not 
you know, keep it moving, keep it moving. So the thought of having parade lines just kind of, I don't know how that works. So, but we're not going to jinx it, but it's interesting conversation. And I just, I, I know a little bit about urban planning and I just know that if you win it on Sunday and you're trying to have a parade on Tuesday or Wednesday, you can't put that together in three days. So somewhere, someplace, there are lists of people who want overtime. There's somebody making, you know, tentative schedules. Somebody's got a parade route somewhere on a desk somewhere. You know, so it, these things are being discussed at high level somewhere, but, you know, and I hope it comes to fruition and I hope it's something that we need to Jed, do. Jed's, I'm sure Jed's been thinking about it for years. Yeah. Well, I I hope so. And I hope that um, there's there's no way in, in the world that I miss it. I'm going to be there with, you know, bells on. So yeah. I'll be out there like wherever they have it. I'll be out there like 730 staking <laughs> out my, um, staking out my spot. And then I'm going to go see my man Miguel for a slice of pizza. <laughs> there you if go. they have it down there, if they, if they do have it down there. Santa Paris, uh, down there. Okay. So just because of the hype of, of the Super Bowl and, just the craziness that goes on. Very popular game. It'll pro- just by the fact of how hot the NFL is right now, as far as television sets being tuned into the game, probably will be the highest rated football game ever seen uh, ever. And, and I, don't, I don't even know how that works with like any TV show, maybe the, the highest watched TV show ever, anything on television. What comes with the hype, what comes with all of that is... Taylor Swift. We have not talked about Taylor very much on this show. And I just looked up because she's going to be in Japan at the Tokyo Dome where one James Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson to win the heavyweight championship in 1989 or something like that. Um, she is supposed to be there. They're routing her. How can she get to Las Vegas before the game would start? And it does sound like she can. So she's going to have to sleep on the jet uh, in order to, uh, to, to get there. But are you ready for the constant Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey storyline where this is not just about football. This is about uh, things attached to it that are, sort of bigger than just football, such as Taylor Swift, who, by the way, I think she won album album of the year tonight at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, the bigness of this whole thing, there's going to be a focus. This is why people's mothers who don't watch football necessarily are going to have Super Bowl parties because it is a social gathering as even more so than it is a football game. But where do you stand on this, this Taylor situation i have been on board with it from day one number one you want to talk about big game honey travis (laughs) kelsey shooting his shot is (laughs) it is it is top is to me it's top two you have to go way back to joe dimaggio (laughs) macking on marilyn freaking monroe to um to even come up with anything anywhere equivalent. I mean, she is the biggest star in the world. 
And I mean, obviously, he's a great football player. He's a Hall of Famer and whatnot. But the balls it takes to shoot your shot publicly on social media and for it to work, I mean, that is the he's a made man now. I mean, if whatever, whatever happens, if he proposes, they get married, they get divorced. Can you imagine who at that point, if his next, you know, is his next paramour? How is is? I mean, it's 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 all downhill from here. I mean, it's who? It's it's just. Can you imagine the pressure on that woman to follow Taylor Swift? I yeah. mean, it's just it's great. I you know you we hit on it. One of my prop bets. I can't wait to get down to Vegas. Actually, <laughs> bet. <laughs> the the highest rated Super Bowl ever is last year's 115.1. Um, I think Swifties are good for five million. Yeah. Easy. So I'm betting, I want to bet the over 120. Um, the records. I I I that's definitely gonna be one of my prop bets. Um, so I, I just think that they crush it. Um, because, and I, I believe that the, the NFL will send a jet for her because I can't imagine they don't love the tie in. They're gonna, you remember when, uh, so there was a fake story actually when Shohei Otani was being courted by all of these baseball teams, there was a, a fake story that the Toronto Blue Jays were actually the leader in the clubhouse for Shohei. And one mm-hmm. of the one of the beat writers had a private jet and the website in which you could track this private jet that was headed to Toronto. And it turns out that that private jet was real. It just didn't have Shohei Otani in it. <laughs> so... So he had to apologize for that. So I can ima- I can only imagine how pe- how many people are going to have this flight information and are going to be tracking the the information for when she's going to arrive and all that stuff. And then the 100%. CBS cameras are going to be right there, and it's going to be chaos. You know that you you know that that's going to be trending on the internet is the blip. So because um when I was flying back home well back back and forth from here to turkey on turkish airlines they have like this gps thing where you can look on there and you can watch yourself travel yes around and i spent like 45 minutes watching us just the little dot on the thing it's it's amazing how um transfixed i was just watching this <laughs> dot you know it starts every time you log back in it starts it shows you at sfo and then it shows <laughs> where you have been where you've traversed and then where you're going and i was just transfixed so you know the same thing is going to be on x or twitter or in tiktok it's going to be all over you're going to be able to track her like santa claus <laughs> um, from tokyo to vegas yes um yeah i, I was thinking about because you were talking about you know the, this pairing of this super couple now in football 
So you remember when Kim Kardashian was married to Chris Humphreys, mm-hmm. you know, New Jersey Nets slash Brooklyn Nets power forward. I don't remember how long that they were married. It wasn't long. Mm-hmm. I think post Chris Humphreys, she dates Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Stone Cold Miles Austin. Mm-hmm. And I remember her being in the the suites uh, at his games. I, again, I don't think that relationship mm-hmm. lasted much longer either. But like that's the last time that I can remember like a celeb celeb kind of like who was not you know tied to anything and all of a sudden was just dating a football player and it was kind of mm-hmm. news like it was Kim. But yeah, this is just the magnitude of it is is just crazy. Uh, I can't even think of like other other times. Well, it's only Kardashians. You got you got <laughs> Courtney and Lamar. Um, that went on for quite a while. Yeah, and then then Kylie ran through a couple of them. I know she was with Book for a while. Oh wow. Um, and then Ben Simmons. There you go. Um, yes. So yeah, it, it you know it the the the, the um Jenner Kardashian um clan. They like their basketball players. I tell you what. Okay, there's two other conversations. This is slightly unrelated to football, but just because you know this is the Super Bowl week, so we'll 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 talk a little bit about this stuff that does isn't the X's and O's. Uh- Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is your take on some of our Caucasian friends who are trying to create uh, a new hairstyle out of... Travis Kelsey's hairstyle. All of a sudden, this is like the new thing that has never been invented before. <laughs> it's called a fade. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. The, the, the Travis. It's the Travis. <laughs> it's the Travis. <laughs> oh, I never knew. Okay. Okay. Can like, okay. You've been to barbershops. I go to barbershop. If I was to show my barber a photo of Travis Kelsey and tell him that is what I want, I think he would throw me out like yeah. Uncle Phil used to throw Jazzy <laughs> Jeff out of the of the house. Ah, that's awesome. Ah. Like where does this stuff happen? Like oh I saw, my um, God. I, I, the, uh, you know, Instagram is great because there's so much stuff and so many memes and so many little things and people, everybody goes through Instagram. So I saw Travis Kelsey actually replied on one of the Instagrams and they were kind of making fun of this idea that all of a sudden he created this new hairstyle that has like been in existence for since <laughs> for literally like, man. Forever. Yeah. Since man was, was created <laughs> and like, you know, he doesn't want to take credit for it. He's like, this is like ridiculous. Like, of course, like, you know, I, I didn't create anything, but I just, I found, so I find that just hilarious. Like, where does this stuff come from? It's crazy. Um, But, I, but 
we, me and my friend group have been talking about this for a long time that, you know, you know, Travis Kelsey go to a black barber. You yes. Because right? <laughs> his fade is, is pretty crispy. Um, and it's been that way for a long time. Um, so, and, and like you say, he's not like Columbus saying it. No, not at all. Um, you know, it, this is, this is an internet creation that is, is doing that. So I, I, I like the fact that he's like, nah, man, <laughs> not, um, you are not, you know, tripping me up with that. I didn't create nothing. Yeah, no, it's, it's the, awesome, I, I mean, I, I get a kick out of, mm-hmm. out of a lot of that. Pop um, like if you were to, um, I don't even know how to ask this question, but I'm trying to think of, again, like the social gatherings of this event. Um, h- how big have gatherings been in the past for you? Like, are we talking like the entire family? Are we talking like a little bit of a smaller group? Cause you want like the football focused people there. And then a lot of the, the nonsense sometimes gets in the way, especially if your team's not playing well, then you kind of get mad that there's people are not sad. Like you're sad. Like, where do you sit with the, the Super Bowl party? Obviously your Super Bowl party is going to be a little different if you're going to be watching in Vegas. Yeah. I have only done like three Super Bowl parties. My ex-wife, she was, that was like her, one of her, she had many superpowers, but one of her superpowers was, the gathering she mm-hmm. was awesome at party planning and bringing together diverse people from all walks of life the only problem and they were great parties the only problem was there was this phenomenon where motherfuckers would talk through the game yeah and then be quiet for the commercials and then they would talk <laughs> about the commercials all through the game and like I, the first time I remember being like, Bill Burr has a bit about this where he's just like fucking angry because everybody's talking through the Super Bowl. So now it's like, I just watch it by myself because yeah. I don't want, you know, people talking through the game. I'm not that, unless it's the Niners, I'm not, you know, if it's just two random teams, I don't really care. Yeah, me neither that much you know it's it's whatever the food and drink uh, matter a little bit more when when it's not your team exactly precisely but um yeah if it 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 would be it would be a death if i were not going to like a watch party which i'm gonna do this year since i'm gonna be in vegas i don't know where i'm gonna go yet i'll figure that out once i get down there um but it it will it's most likely going to be in like a real huge place where there's a lot of TVs and I can just pick a corner and like be by myself and watch, or it's going to be a really, really small gathering of like really, really diehard fans, diehard fans and people and, and in Vegas, what diehard fan ends up meaning is people that have a lot of very cash action yeah. going cash on. on what's and going so on. they are, serious about it in a different way you know (laughs) so they're not bullshitting about the game not because they care about either of the teams it's just they've got action that they and and that's fine with me um because i'm gonna have a lot of action too i yeah i can't wait to get our get to our prop session but yeah i am 
but the even the um everything down there is crazy uh, if you guys have been reading about the prices and i read an interesting article in the new york times about why the prices are so high, are so high. and like they you know the nfl kind of wants it that way they want it to be like a luxury mm-hmm. crowd which is you know an interesting marketing strategy um but even like the watch parties down there, they never used to be this much. I mean, you, you got some that are as much as like $500. Dang. I'm not doing that. Um, there are plenty, but there are plenty like bars and stuff they're having, like all you can eat um, with like for like a hundred bucks, which that's is, cool. you know, that's like, you know, if, I'd be if down you, with that. Yeah. If you're, if you can get, even if it's just well liquor, yeah for you know all you can drink and i'm not a huge drinker so it wouldn't be like i wouldn't be like you know crazy like drunk or whatnot but you know if you get there at let's say noon one o'clock and then you're there to like six and you can just nosh all day i mean you you'll you're more than get your money's worth so that's probably what i'm gonna end up doing unless um you know, one of my family members, you know, has, you know, a, a better situation and then I can just, you know, slip them that hundred and be like, you know, I'll just, I'll just kick it here. Yeah, hang with and you. it's nice, it's nice to, to be able to like, you know, again, it, you can't be like, you know, having your shoes off and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, talk about being how old I am <laughs> that you, you having my shoes off is just really <laughs> underrated at this point. <laughs> you know, that is like the first thing I do just about everywhere I get to. I just take my shoes off, <laughs> you know, I make sure my feet don't stink. But yeah, I, that is just like, you know, like comfort. It, it's like, it's, it's really, it's really like key to my comfort at this point. So I mentioned I'm a little superstitious uh, mm-hmm. in, in the beginning here. So uh, I can only remember the 84 Super Bowl. I, mm-hmm. I watched uh, the NFL films version of the 81 Super Bowl, like probably a thousand times just because mm-hmm. I don't remember it. I'm sure I was there with mm-hmm. my parents watching, but you know, I was, I was like five years old. So I remember the NFL films video. I also had a vinyl. I think I still have the vinyl record of uh, I think the radio station put out like a Mm -hmm. vinyl record of like all the highlights and stuff. So I I have that like memorized in the back of my head. But 84, watch it at my parents' house. Uh, 89, watch it at my parents' house. You know, big parties. My my mom usually my mom, who is Japanese, she makes menudo. And my dad is the Mexican one, and my That's Japanese mom makes the menudo. Uh, so we they would have menudo. And so, you know, all the Super Bowls, and then 94, everything's at my parents' house. So the last two Super Bowls, uh, 2012, so the, the, the Raven Super Bowl, we had a really big gathering, and my parents had a few different TVs. But based on the input of which TV had what, one was like 15 seconds behind the other ones. Oh, so like we we're watching the big room and then I could hear people cheering before we would actually see the play. And so it was annoying, especially because if you remember that first half, they're getting trucked. Yeah, it was. So I, I moved into the other room on the smaller TV solely so that I could see it in real time and not be delayed. 
Uh, and when I did that, then they started coming back. So I was like, oh, man, I wish I would watch the whole game here. <laughs> uh, so but they lost that game. And then the last time. So my parents, they moved out to Tucson, Arizona. And uh, I had yeah, my wife. We, we were not married yet, but we had don't, we had only been dating for maybe like 10 months or something. And but we we went out to Arizona because obviously my kids are, are out there, and uh, and so we watched the Super Bowl at my parent at my parents' house again, and then they lost. So for the first time ever, I'm actually watching a Super Bowl game at my own home. There you go. So in my superstitious brain, this is going to break the two game losing streak. And we're inviting people over. I don't even know. Like, my son is in London right now. He was telling me that they they took a train ride to Paris, and I was like, "I bet you felt underdressed." And he's like, "Yep." I, everyone had a, everyone had a trench coat or a puffer jacket uh, in, in Paris, just walking the you know in the in the shops and stuff. So. Uh, I don't know if he, he I think he's going to be he's like flying back Saturday. So we'll see if he can make it. My other son, uh, he works, so he may come later. So I don't even know if we're even having that big of a gathering. But to me, it's like, OK, we're doing this thing. It's going to be at our place. That's going to be good luck. And, you know, we're we're have we'll have a few finger foods here and there and and just do it that way. So nice. that is how I, I'm doing it. And that takes us down the pathway of. Uh, last week we talked about what season would we relive through the eyes of a, of a player. And you took the, uh, the 88 team and I took the 89 team and uh, Joe Montana for me, Jerry Rice for you. But what is your favorite, what's your favorite Super Bowl and also your favorite Super Bowl memory. And it may be the one that you talked about last week, but cause I was thinking about this. And 94 was fantastic because, like you said, it was a get the monkey off of Steve's back. That game was not very competitive. And I don't think anyone expected it to be competitive. Uh, Steve Young throws six touchdowns, and they kind of add that last one just so he breaks Joe's record in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then, you know, the ones before that, you know, the, the 55 to 10 in, in 1989-90. And the one that you mentioned, which was the comeback win. And I would pick that one with one exception. For three quarters, they kind of suck in that game. Mm-hmm. Some of it is Cincinnati's defense and the 49ers defense as well. Like it was a defensive struggle. It was defensive making stops on third down. I'm going to go with 84 because my, I, have a, I have a really vivid memory of and and this is when other people's opinions especially people who were sports writers and who knew way more about sports than I did when they made their predictions and it was like so much Dan Marino is going to beat the 49ers and I I I just remember thinking like okay if I am making any sort of sense of this Niners went 15 and 1 Miami went 14 and 2 Joe Montana has one Super Bowl under his belt. This is Dan Marino's second year in the NFL. I would expect the experience and the just the overall 
better season to give the 49ers a little bit more of the uh, favorableness when it came to these prognosticators. But I really remember like this was going to be, oh, you know, Joe's already old news. Like it, Joe, Joel, mm-hmm. Joe is old and busted and Dan Marino uh, is the uh, new hotness. He's a new thing. Mm-hmm. He's a new hotness. And so watching this game and my dad, he, you know, he probably was nervous himself, but he, he, so they're doing the intros. I think the Niners defense get introduced and uh, Miami's offense gets introduced. And Dan Marino had some look on his face that my dad just decided was that he was a nervous wreck and he's screaming and hollering. He's nervous. This game is over. And I just remember that thinking like, man, why was he so confident? Cause I thought the Niners, you know, were getting that they were, they shouldn't have been necessarily the underdog, but I think people were overlooking them. I was like, what game, what, why was he so confident that they were going to win that game? And that Marino was, you know, not com- and, and then I go back and I go, well, yeah, like his second season, Joe had a Super Bowl. You know, he's younger. It's the biggest game of his life. Biggest game of his life. And so uh, I will always remember that. And that the game hadn't even started. And just the hype of that moment. And the other thing, Niners are playing in their backyard. They're playing in Palo Alto. But why anyone would have a Super Bowl at Stanford Stadium in Palo Alto, I have no idea. Kind of weird. But, you know, Niners didn't have to travel. They're sleeping in their beds all week. And that stuff, I think, would be sort of over-reported today I guess, with, with the craziness. But that's, I that's, guess I think you that's could, my favorite memory. I guess it's because you could never really have a Super Bowl at Candlestick. That, that would have been a yes. disaster. Yes. But I think, for me, it's the blowout. It's the 49-26 to 26 against the Chargers. And... Rest in peace. The thing that I remember most about that game is how we had Junior Seau in a blender. Yep. He just, I mean, he was, he was, uh, was, was known for diagnosing and reading plays and firing early. And it was like we, if he would go left, we would go right. And it was, it was like they, like, you know, like, it was like almost like I don't know, I didn't know enough about football then, and I haven't really rewatched it, but it was almost like Steve Young was keying on him. Mm-hmm. And whatever he did gave Young a key as to, well, okay, well, he's doing that. So we're going to do this. And he was just all out of sorts and was just never really a factor. And he was one of the best players in the league at that point and he just really and that was kind of the narrative going in is that you know he was going to be a difference maker and he just wasn't and that is always a a vivid memory of that super bowl because it was one of those you know for me especially when i was younger in those in that era I was like a nervous wreck for those games. It didn't <laughs> oh, make yeah. it didn't it made no sense. I wasn't playing, but like I would like my stomach would be hurting <laughs> and I was, you know, I'd really really be going through it. And that one was like the easiest one of them all. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. like we were You just, know why though? 
because they got over the Dallas hump. Right. That's exactly. why it was like, that was, that was the one. And it was like that, that Super Bowl was, it was, it was never in doubt. We, it was like, you know, we beat them from pillar to post. Yeah. Um, it was, it, it was, and it was just so satisfying. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Cause I don't like really, I don't really, remember like kind of like you i don't really remember the first one the first time i've seen it like a hundred times at this point now but i don't really remember the particulars of like where i watched it and who i watched it with you know what i remember Um, most is mm -hmm. madden i remember madden and summerall doing that game Mm mm-hmm that I I don't know if that was I think that was their first Super Bowl that they ever did together. But funny that you should say that before me. I'm gonna be honest. Most of those Super Bowls, when I hear them in my head, it's Joe Starkey that I yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah. He that but, but, and and I don't know if that has because I know I watch most of those games on TV, mm-hmm. so it has to be because calls, of yeah. all of the calls and the replays and. You know, that, you know, even with video here in the Bay Area, they would play the video, but with Starkey's calls because it's just, he he was just so iconic um, here and his calls were so great. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it was that one because it was like it was it was never it was never any doubt. And um, it was just, you know, like you said, it was super cool. That they, um, you know, was they were able to get Steve the record, which was it was just it was just it was fun to see him smile and get all of the pressure, you know, kind of off of him. And I am as guilty as everybody else because he wasn't Joe. Yeah, and Joe was my guy. Yep, and I gave him. I, you know, I'm not proud of it. I gave him as much shit as anybody. I, <laughs> looking back on it, and and you know that you can bear witness to this from the group. I, same thing with Alex. I yeah, was as yeah. hard on yep. Alex yep. as anybody. And when I look back on it, it kind of wasn't fair. <laughs> but it it, it I, I I own it now that um, but which is interesting. I I kind of talked to you about. I'd been kind of reminiscing about like my favorite moments mm-hmm. as a 49er fan, not including the drive and the catch. Those are super easy. Yep. But um, one of mine, I would say my, well, the top one for me is Steve winning his Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But my next one is the end around for Alex. It was, I remember I watched that game. The Saints game. At, the Orleans Sportsbook in Las Vegas. I, I am not embarrassed to say I was bawling after that play because it was just so cathartic. He had been through so much shit here. Mm-hmm. And for him to have that moment on that stage was just like, damn, good for him. Yep. Good. I felt so good for him in that moment. Um, it's literally one of my favorite moments as a 49er fan. And then third for me is 
the T.O. catch in the playoff game versus the Packers. Because you you, you he, didn't have to cry for him on that one because he was crying himself for that man, one. For whatever you want to say about T.O., and there's a lot to be said about T.O., I never questioned whether or not that dude cared or not because that was a genuine release of emotion because he was going to be the go to that game. He yep. stunk that day but for him to make that play at that time was just it was it it was so i remember that i listened to most of that game on the golf course because i had a tournament but then i got back to the clubhouse just in time to see that play and it was just the house went nuts (laughs) it was so cool to be amongst a bunch of 49er fans and we're hugging and we're jumping up and down. And, you know, even then T.O. was kind of a polarizing figure. Yep. But everybody was happy for him at that particular moment in time. So that was, those are, you know, of all the years of, being involved and those are the three that stand out to me and i mean there are a lot more but those kind of above all you know the catch three is was was awesome um because i loved vernon Vern. my guy he you know he not uh, let's let's put it like this not a natural catcher of the ball <laughs> <laughs> i think it is it's fair to say but um he kind of worked himself into a you know it, it, more than decent. He was a playmaker um, for a few yeah, years. Yeah, and I mean, tools off the charts. One of the best blockers I've ever seen. You know, him and George are like right there. Um, He was, you know, just such a physical specimen. And then a dude that size running like a 4-3 is nuts. I mean, it's he was really a, he was a freak. He really was a freak. Um. I'm going to add I'll add one and mm-hmm. then we'll go to the the last part which I wanted to ask you about about mm-hmm. this game. I'll add one which is Kaepernick busting loose against Green Bay. Oh, that was so good. I love that dude. Those teams to me, those are all special teams to me because since I but I I had been here since the beginning but that with those teams, especially those Alex teams and the Cap teams, those teams, that was the first time I actually had bread and I could go to games. Um, I you know, I wasn't going my mother wasn't paying for me to go to no <laughs> back in the 80s. Fuck no. out of here. No. It, just, it just wasn't happening. I could barely watch the games. If that shit happened, if, if it happened like at 10 o'clock, I was gonna be at church. My mom yeah. did not play. <laughs> staying home you know to watch no sport and play so i didn't you know my whole football watching was not under my control as a teenager it was all under the auspices of my mom but you know in the early 2000s you know mid 2000s i was working um i had money i only had like two kids at that time so i could still slide away and um get away and not feel guilty about the fact that you know somebody 
wasn't getting going to tutoring or some <laughs> shit because I decided to go down to Phoenix and watch them play. So those teams were always really special to me because of that, because I actually got to go see Alex play. I got to see, I, I proudly say I watched every game of Alex Smith's career because it wasn't nobody. I controlled my schedule at that point and I could, you know, make it appointment viewing to watch those games in a yep. way that I just couldn't when they were younger. So those teams are always special to me. So yeah, that, um, and that resonates with me. Um, that cap performance was, you know, you want to talk about it led to what was, could only be called irrational exuberance. I just, I, I believe there was nothing cap could do, yeah. couldn't do after that game. I mean, could he possibly average 250 and 250 a game for a season <laughs> why not i mean that 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 those were the thoughts i had at that time it was just there was so much optimism and you know somebody was talking about who do we think about jed and for that whole thing to fall apart as fast as it did the way it did and Jed does does deserve some blame, but Jim deserves some blame too. He said some shit and did some shit that you just you just simply he was just he was really out of pocket with some of the things he was saying and doing about the owner of his franchise. There, but, yeah, there there's a whole political whole, aspect of that thing. with him and Balky as well yeah. as Parag and you know, and you know, he they didn't want him here. He didn't want to be here. Um, and you know, it's it's now legend. Yeah, that is where the legend started. That Jim will burn it down <laughs> at some point. Um, and so it was. Matt, Matt Barrows has a good book called "If These Walls Could Talk," which goes over. Oh, really? Those forty nine er teams. Yeah, it's really good. I read what? it. I think I read it. Oh god, I've, I must have read it a couple years ago. I should probably read it again because it's it's really good. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna get that tonight. Because yeah, that no, was... it's good. and it's not long. You're gonna get through it really quickly because you, you it's just a page turner. It's a page you're remember. Turner. You're gonna remember all those stories. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Before we get to the props, and I, I just want a couple from you. I know you you probably haven't dug super deep tons yet. of them, but yeah, we'll, we'll just, uh, just give me like, well, we'll I'll ask you for like your, your two or three best ones. But um, before that, going back to the, like the pop culture aspect of this game, Usher halftime show. Well, he has had a residency in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like, he just ended it. And everybody says that he's at the top of his game and that this halftime show is going to be phenomenal. So it's, you know, he, you know, for the mid 2000s, he's the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, he's got hit after hit after hit after hit. I'm sure He's one of those guys who his set at the Super Bowl is going to be all number ones. I'm sure. I'm sure of it Um, because he he just has so many. I was at a conference last week and um, Fat Joe did a set at the um, House of Blues. And I had forgotten 
You want to talk about club bangers? <laughs> Joe has them stacked on stacked on stacked. I mean, it just, you know, it was Dave East. I don't know how many hip hop fans there are in the house, but Dave East opened for him. And I just felt sorry for him because <laughs> there was just no way. Dave East is it. somebody's brother, isn't he? Mm hmm. No, no. I, he is. Yeah. I, but I don't know who that, that somebody mentioned that to me on, you know, while we were there. But his music, I mean, it just is it's not really conducive to like a party type situation. But apparently he is super popular. Um, and I learned in his talk at the conference that I mean he is like a monster when it comes to branding and endorsements and and the like. So it's it was real interesting to hear him talk. But when it talked talking about moving a crowd. Joe Crack is hard to top. And then you you put in the fact that he's one of the best storytellers I have ever heard. He can make paint drying <laughs> interesting. And he told a story in between songs that that connected selling drugs to selling Nikes with the through line being disruption that was one of the most fascinating things i've ever heard my uh one of my favorite things about joe so the don cartagena himself when his albums came out you know in hip-hop like if you think of krs1 you're like ah, oh, that's a dope name mm -hmm. but according to krs it actually stood for something Mm -hmm. knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everybody like it, it doesn't like it doesn't make sense like when mm -hmm. you say it it like sounds mm -hmm. silly but these guys name you know you're always making things with initials and stuff so mm -hmm. joe's first album is called joe but what does it stand for jealous ones envy joe's second album is called jose Jealous one still envy. <laughs> That's like it's like such a hip hop thing to do is to just like you know. And uh, my my favorite one is uh, Tupac uh, gave meaning to Thug Life. Mm -hmm. The and there's a movie that 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 a really good movie actually by the way called The Hate You Give, which mm -hmm. oh, T H U G yeah. The Hate You Give, mm -hmm. uh, and Thug Life stood for the hate you give little infants something something like it, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any but like that, that's hip-hop so i yeah. love that back you know back in the late the mid to late 90s people mm -hmm. were putting stuff out there like that so jealous ones envy okay give me your couple of two or three favorite props that you're definitely going to be putting some action on all right sorry 49er fans but when the number came out my very first bet was i teased that number for the you know, two and a half so i took the um chiefs plus eight and a half and the over we took it down to 41 so that was the first bet i made sorry um but <laughs> <laughs> that and you're gonna give me eight and a half with patrick mahomes i'm gonna take it um but the ones i like you know the there's really no value anymore if you're gonna bet MVP for Brock or Mahomes or CMC. So the ones I really, 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 really like are if we win and it's not going to be Brock or CMC, 
Ayuk at 50 to 1 is great value, I think. Kittle at 80 to 1 is awesome value. And then another one 49er fans won't love is the record for sacks in a game is three by multiple players. Chris Jones at 100 to 1. If he has a monster game, like a Von Miller type game, he might be the MVP and having him at a hundred to one would be a awesome long shot. How many defensive players have actually won the MVP? I mean, I can think of a few of them. I remember Richard Dent was the MVP Mm -hmm. when the bears wiped out the Patriots. Mom Miller. Um, was Larry Brown the MVP yes. of one of those games? Yes, he was. Yes, he was to the to the chagrin of many Cowboys fans. <laughs> but um Neil yeah, O'Donnell so he thanked Neil O'Donnell at his uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was so awesome because I hated <laughs> hated those I hated those those teams. Boy, oh I but I I hated the Cowboys, but I didn't like the Steelers either. Yeah. So it was just it was I, I could never root for the Steelers. So I mean I mean root for the Cowboys. So fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um. So those, but they're gonna be. I like I say, I want to bet. I want to bet the they're gonna break the record for um for the number of watchers. And yeah, those are those are those are my top ones. But I can't wait to get on site and be able to just, you know, it's like a smorgasbord. You go into the sports book and like the whole board at this point is laid out with props and you can just bet all kinds of just ridiculous shit. And I'm going to bet all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, uh, so there have been not 10 technically because there was a co-defensive MVP. Uh, you mentioned Von Miller, Super Bowl 50, Malcolm Smith, Seahawks linebacker, Dexter Jackson, Buccaneers safety. Oh, wow. I forgot both of those. Uh, Ray Lewis, Super Bowl 35. Uh, Larry Brown, the one that we mentioned, Richard Dent. Harvey Martin and Randy White, co-MVPs of Super Bowl 12. Okay. Jake Scott, MVP, Super Bowl 7. And Chuck Howley, Cowboys linebacker, Super Bowl 5. So... If there is a defensive MVP, there's only been, you know, one out of every 10 games, I guess. Not about six or seven games, there's a defensive MVP. So, because, you know, it's just like most awards at this point, it's a quarterback award. And and it's going to be, it's going to be really hard for either of these teams to win and it not be Purdy or 15, I think. The way that the NFL has changed, absolutely. It's, I mean, running backs are extremely important to. And I guess it could teams. be CMC. It, I if he that. if he scores three touchdowns, it could definitely be CMC, and it would actually make a lot of sense. And I'll go back to my uh, Steph Curry, Brock Purdy sort of underrated uh, analogy. I'm trying to get Brock Purdy on that brand. Uh, remember when Steph in 2015, when they won their first title. Steph was not the MVP. Iggy. They gave it to Andre Iguodala. And, you know, looking back, you're like, eh, you know, we all love Andre, so no one is going to take that from him. But mm-hmm. Steph had a couple of tough games, but he also had some, like, 
really really great games at the same time so and i mean we you know the narrative around that was like iggy like shut down lebron which was kind of ridiculous because nobody really shuts down lebron yeah, he, but yeah. he made he made it hard on lebron but which is i guess you know there's there's no that he he definitely did that and that yeah. is a feat but um i i think if we had to do it all over we would we would give it to step. So I from think. that perspective of the underrated quarterback, this is the narrative. The whole season is, you know, 49er fans think Brock is a second coming and people nationally think he is not. And if he is to have this tremendous, tremendous game, I think that would be a great story. But if he has a, a pretty decent game He's and CMC has got three touchdowns or Debo's got three touchdowns, I could totally see it going away. Now, Here's the interesting one. Does if Mahomes and Kelsey both have good games, you got to give it to one of those two guys is Kelsey going to be the because he's the the hot one right now. Well, but well, and not only that, but let's be real. If we could have who do you want? Brittany Mahomes (laughs) up there next to Patrick or do you want Taylor Swift standing there next to? Um, Travis Kelsey, and then you know the internet. Mama Kelsey. You, if you, you got to bring Mama Kelsey down too, I want to see. And Mama then the, the internet <laughs> and and Jason <laughs> with a shirtless shirt off. <laughs> uh, but you know the internet is all a buzz on if he, you know, if they win it, he's going to propose. Oh my goodness, I can't would even imagine. Would you want to talk about breaking the internet? It would probably break network network TV. It would. Yeah, it would de- that would probably be the most watched. Yeah, every everything of anything ever on any kind of broadcast, anything. Yeah, and she, you know, she happen. she is rightfully so very premeditated. So that would have to be something that she it would be choreographed. Would, yeah, and... she would know it, it would exact the way that it works. Like she would be in the know. Like she's not going to be surprised by that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's not going to be like. He ain't going to ask her if she's not going to say Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because that will be the next uh, Snickers commercial is if, mm-hmm. if you ask Taylor and she says no, that's the next. Uh, you mis- you misspelled shit. You misspelled Chiefs there, buddy. That will be the next Snickers commercial. Oh, that would be awesome. But, yeah, I, you know, and even if they don't end up getting married, I think it would be, you know, it, I, the NFL – and is it going to, are they, is it CBS this year? Yep. CBS, we get Romo. Oh man, they would love that. I mean, it would, I mean, I literally, they would break the internet. You know, we yeah. talk about breaking the internet. That would break the internet. Yeah, absolutely. All right. My hope is that Travis and Taylor, if they are going to get married, it is not after a Super Bowl victory. I actually hope Taylor's sad. <laughs> She she's she's so successful and she's actually the uh she could use some character building. Yeah, she she's the I mean she's she she can't she really can't lose right now. <laughs> oh, this is the question I was gonna ask you. I forgot I had forgotten uh, that I wanted to ask you one more pop culture question because there is a I don't think this is a big argument, but there is a small argument bubbling as far as Taylor Swift being as big of a star as Michael Jackson was in the mid eighties. And here's where I'm going to say no. And I think this is actually relevant because 
Michael Jackson was a world star. And Taylor is building towards that. Like I said, she's going to be in Japan. But let, so let's say from a U.S. standpoint, you lived through Michael Jackson and Thriller and Bad. And now we are in this Taylor era. How comparable is she to Michael Jackson? I think it's really hard to know just based on the fact that, you know, I've spent a little time in Africa and like now, even really, really small villages, like I was out and visited the Maasai and it, they've got cell phones and shit. And um, so I'm sure they know who Taylor Swift mm-hmm. is, but that was the thing people talked about with Michael Jackson, that there would be little villages cut off from civilization that somehow those people out there knew Michael Jackson songs. Like there are places that you would think there'd be no way that pop music would be able to touch. He touched those places. And I think that's why I agree with you that in that way, he was a worldwide phenomenon in a world that was a lot less connected than it is now. And I think that I I, I don't think that you will ever have that kind of phenomenon again, just based on the fact that the world is now, you can talk about Malcolm Gladwell, the world is flat that, you know, it evens the plan. So while she might be by, by the numbers, more popular or, or as popular, it's not an apples to apples comparison because of technology and the way the world is connected allows somebody to her to be ambiguous, you know, ubiquitous in a way. But Michael Jackson was ubiquitous in a way when we weren't as connected. So that, you know, I think he gets the hands up just for that. You know, that yeah, there, there's nothing that Taylor has done that would equal thriller, but there's, Nothing that anybody has done At that was equal thriller. Uh, and I don't even know if you can actually have that anymore. There's no mm. album sales are not the same. Everything's streaming. Everything's just available at the touch of a finger. I remember I had to hop on my cousin's handlebars and he's taken me to his friend's house. And I have no idea where we're going. And when I finally get there, he's like, MTV show on Michael Jackson thriller. We got to watch it. It starts at. 10 o'clock. We got to be there. And it was like an event, right? So the point of watching the appointment TV, we'll never have anything like that. I mean, it's just, it's the world is just different. It's just, and I actually really, really like Taylor a lot. I mean, her music is her music. It's, it's Mm -hmm. pop music and, you know, lots of uh, fans of young, you know, young girls, young women, but she also has, just a lot of fans in general. There's, you know, you can't be that popular of an artist and only have a small target or a large target demographic of like young women. Like she touches a lot of people. And uh, I, 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 the thing that I like about her most is her business acumen. She's just Mm -hmm. so sharp, the marketing, everything. She's just on it. So I just kind of hat tip her, but I also know, you know, I also saw Michael Jackson live in real time, so I can actually make that comparison. And there's, you know, it's, it's a good one. I don't think it's, I don't think she's there yet, but it's hey, not, I mean, she, it, but she, it's she's not, still young. 
it's not blasphemous though. I mean, no. it's, you know, it's um, and I mean, I her music is not really my cup of tea. Although that like that shake it off song is, <laughs> <laughs> it is that's that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really understand how particularly men seem to begrudge her success. I mean, it's just I, I don't, I don't. It doesn't anger me the it 25 almost, it or almost, 30 seconds that she's on yeah. a football telecast doesn't you know infuriate, me. <laughs> infuriate it, 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 me. like it's almost always to me it's just like an insecurity thing it's like mm-hmm. dudes just you know ha- have some self-esteem just be okay with other people being cool and being successful i i am much more bothered by the ncis commercials <laughs> <laughs> on broadcast that I am the appearance of Taylor Swift, you know. So yeah, that that type of stuff, you know. I I just I I can't get excised about. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's a as, as we started off. I'll end with saying I think it's a fun story, and I you know have her on every you know timeout break. You know, can, you can just be up yeah. in the box. Sure. Know. People yeah. want to see her, sure. There will be a time when people won't want to see her as much. <laughs> exactly. Figure out how to deal with that. But right now it's her time. She'll just go count her money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So we will be back on Saturday, the eve of the Super Bowl. As long as Rod has good internet and, mm-hmm. and he's and he's I'll fine. make it happen. Uh mm-hmm. so we'll we'll do our preview then. We're gonna hold our predictions. Uh I will say uh I'm always scared big games just because like you said your stomach starts hurting and you get worried and you overthink it um these two teams are good football teams mm-hmm. i think it's going to be a competitive game so i'm i'm happy like i don't see a scenario necessarily now the four ers can come out and crap the bed but if, if you're talking about two teams playing good football these teams are pretty comparable i would think so I'm excited about the game being pretty good. I hope Brock doesn't crap the bid. <laughs> at this point, I am not worried about 15 crap in the bid. I, I, I no, am not I, at all. <laughs> but um, he, he may even throw us a couple, and then he's going to come downfield the next time and get in the end zone. Like this is who he is. Yeah, I just I don't. Um, you know, it's and to me, it's really it is at the point where you know I don't like to use the word hater. But you just hate like like people with LeBron at this point. Come on, man. It, it, there are certain things that are just undeniable. You can't. Idiot is not a slur versus somebody who is doubting Patrick Mahomes at this point. It, it is. It's a diagnosis. You're just, <laughs> you're an idiot. I mean, it's, yeah. he, he's just he's great. I want Brock to be great. I don't. I I would prefer him not to have a bad half and then come have to come back. I just want him to have a good game. I'm not asking him to go out there and put the team on his back. Just play the way we know we've seen you do it. We've seen him do it. We've seen yep. him play at a really high level. And if he does that and if our defensive line shows up, I am I I feel really good about our chances. We need to talk about my boy Chase Young at some point next week. (laughs) Um, Because it's a problem. I think think this is his last game as a 49er. I just just hope he kind of shows up. I mean, I don't um, know who those effort questions were about. 
but they're asking him to do a certain thing and he just does not look like he's comfortable doing it. I don't know if that's an effort yeah. thing or a mm-hmm. skill thing, but he's talented dude. It just, he may just not but be. It is so, it's so frustrating because he, you can, in last, in the last game, he botched it. And then he did it twice in a row. So physically he has the ability to do it, but for whatever reason, like you say, he doesn't have a comfort level. Yeah with doing it play in and play out. And I guess we thought Corey could, but, but that was a thing when he got here, went out the door in with the commandos. It was like, he will sacrifice the structure of the defense to make plays. Mm -hmm. So I guess we thought we bring him in here with a bunch of vets. You bring him and put him here with um, Corey. Get him here with Bosa who can be an influence guys like Trent and whatnot. And maybe they can get him to buy in at least to, you know, convince him to do it, to win, to get his money. But clearly none of those things are enough of an incentive to have him do it consistently. So we'll see, hopefully he can have a big Super Bowl, and, and then, it, it'll be his last game here because I don't want to do another season of this, please. <laughs> All right. We'll be back Saturday preview. And then we'll be back Sunday after the game to discuss it. Win, lose, rain or shine. Like we've been for every game these last two seasons. So, all right. For Rod, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.